Welcome to Westworld FM, a podcast about HBO's Westworld. My name is Alex. And my name is Nick. Today we will be discussing episode 7 of the show titled Trompe l'Ay, as far as I know, in my terrible French, French pronunciation. I don't remember how it was even spelled. It's T-R-O-M-P-E-L apostrophe O-E-I-L, which sure. according to Emma Says videos on the interwebs is Trompe l'Ay. And uh, what does it mean? Uh, trompe the definition of trompe is a visual illusion in art, especially as used to trick the eye into perceiving a painted detail as a three-dimensional object. Hmm. 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 But, uh, we will not be discussing any of our, any of the next time on preview at the end of the show, but we will be spoiling everything through episode seven of the series. So please pause and go catch up if you're not current with the show. You can find more episodes of our podcast at westworld.fm. We're also Westworld FM on Twitter. And you can send feedback to westworldfm at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our show and share your thoughts on HBO's Westworld so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Westworld or our podcast. Big news today. Westworld is being given a season two. Oh, yeah. Very exciting. However, they said that it may take until 2018 to air given how much of a production the show is. Uh, there, I think some of the comments or the things that people are reading off of it are that uh, pushing True Detective Season 2 to come out a year later and how successful that was has made them kind of rethink how much they push people to deliver stuff to them so quickly. So it's cool that they're giving it room. However, 2018 is a long time away. Mm-hmm. But uh, it should be okay. So... Uh, in the corrections department, this is a self-correction. I was listening to a few other Westworld podcasts. Uh, the Mexican town, I can never remember the name of it. It's called Las Mudas. Las Mudas. Las Mudas. Mexican town. So I'm sure I'll forget about it next time. We actually have to talk about that place if we do again. But Las Mudas. I'll Las Mudas, yes. And then, uh, so we've got some feedback, and these people either emailed us at westworldfm at gmail.com or they tweeted at us at westworldfm on Twitter. And uh, we've got Jameson here. Uh, Quick note, since you were discussing the opening credits last week, I think the most poignant and symbolic moment in the credits is the skeletal hands playing the piano and then releasing the player piano continues to play on its own. To me, this is a slick slick nod to the deistic themes of the show. The hosts are just beginning to operate on their own without the control of their maker. Arnold wound the clock uh, and set it into motion. We just have to wait and see what part Ford plays. But my guess is at some point... We lose both creators and hosts and humans get to learn how to exist together. So, uh, and then he said, on the lines of religious motifs, if Ford is God to the host, does that make Arnold the spirit and Bernard the savior created by Ford and Arnold's image? Question mark. I don't know. There's, there's been a lot of religious thematic stuff that people have been throwing out there. The man in black being the devil and all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, I haven't tried to read into that too much, but yeah, Nick, you, you were, you were talking about, wanting to pull something a little more out of the credits. Uh, and I, and I, yeah, I, I see what Jameson's saying. I think that's pretty interesting. You know, at the moment where the hands kind of pull away and the, and the piano keeps playing. Um, yeah, that, that scene has always stood out for the obvious, obvious reason. Like you said, that the, it starts being operated by hand and then remove and we're able to, it's able to continue on its own. Yeah. Uh, I think, there's something between the player piano. The player piano is almost just the host at that point. I mean, the the player yeah. piano almost becomes a stand-in for the host. It's this, this idea that you know, even 
you know, a, a piano was once an instrument that was created to make music, obviously. And then the, the player pianos always seem like such a novelty. They're there for like entertainment. They're there to like get giggles out of you. Yeah. Nothing, nothing as deep or moving as, as an actual piano is capable of doing. They always have that same rinky dink tone to them. I guess honky tonk being the better term. <laughs> uh, and they're just goofy to watch. And I think that almost in a way, humanity has kind of gone the in, in Ford's eye, or maybe not in Ford's eye, because we know he cares about these things more deeply. But in terms of the the park, uh, humanity's kind of gone the root of this piano player piano, where humans and or people are capable of creating great art and being these these beings of of much depth and worth. And they've been at the park reduced to a player piano, just this goofy, silly thing that you can. It's it's there for your amusement, yeah, and nothing further. Yeah. I also really like the first shot that it starts to look like a, it looks like a landscape, but it's really just a host being 3D printed. Yeah, put absolutely. It's very like it looks like the sun kind of or the moon even. Yeah, and, the and, it, and yeah, exactly. Horizon. And it's almost the kind of the idea that this these hosts are the frontier. They're the they're the great undiscovered yeah. country. Yeah. Well, on on all this note, uh, Alan, the creator of our of our theme at Westworld FM. Uh, wrote in to send us the link to artofthetitle.com slash title slash Westworld. Uh, they have a pretty big uh, interview with um, Elastic, which is a big production company, Post House, kind of. They're doing all kinds of different stuff. But they've done a lot of credits for things like uh, Luke Cage, and they did True Detective, and they're kind of in the in vogue right now in terms of creating titles, and they did the one for Westworld. And there's a very... Uh, extensive interview with uh, creative director Patrick Clare on their website. So check that out, artofthetitle.com slash title slash Westworld. I'll try and put that in the show notes as well. So, uh, Jameson, thank you for the email. And then I've got a little bit more from Alan here. Uh, he said, those other podcasts often talk about how ridiculous some things are, like the abandoned lower levels or walking around with Maeve. But a few years ago, a coworker took me over to the old building my company used to be in. It was abandoned and gutted, full of old hardware, and really creepy. But still, it still had a few old computers it hooked up to uh, some antenna on the roof. We had gone over to update them. Uh, Westworld seemed very realistic to me. Ditto for another place that I worked at. Had a section where, that was one of the offices, but became known as the morgue due to it being a storage place for old har- uh, hardware and furniture. Yeah, I think that's pretty common for a lot of especially bigger companies, you know, they move on from their old headquarters and they leave stuff behind. And it just so happens that Westworld is so uniquely situated that they still have it there. Like any other building would have been like for most workplaces, I feel like it's retail space that's being rented out and somebody else is going to come and fill it and it all gets, you know, yeah, brought back to life essentially. But for Westworld, it's all right there. So and they just keep building up. Probably. Yeah. Uh, and then he said, and Maeve is a machine, so it would be like seeing the downstairs IT guy rolling a cart by your office with a computer or printer on it. That doesn't seem out of the ordinary to me. At a huge company I worked for, for I often saw people I did not know wandering around carrying hardware. We're, we were supposed to stop and challenge anyone we did not know in case they weren't supposed to be there, but no one ever did. We'd be doing that constantly due to the size of the company. Quote, not my job, end quote. And then he puts point zero two. It's his two cents, so... Yeah, I don't uh, think we weren't saying that it was weird. No, she was walking around. It that's was just, that's kind of what he he's he's commenting on what other podcasts are pulling oh, issues with, and they did. I I felt very similarly to the way that he did. And yeah, I think absolutely. He wrote it very well. Um, it it just seemed like 
Yeah, and there were a lot of people commenting about like, oh, they have cameras everywhere. Why aren't they watching this stuff? And we talked about last week that um, Destin had his sex video. Like Elsie had access to that, but nobody right. else has called him on it. Like, what the hell? So I feel like Westworld is a big machine that maybe there are some things that don't get that closely monitored. Until there's a problem. Until there's yeah, an issue. Yeah. Exactly. So thank you, Alan, for writing in there. Uh, we had a quick little note from at KRMCC, KRRMCC on Twitter. Uh, they said, this feels trivial. This was the day after the election. Uh, but she said, this, this feels trivial, but I need some escapism today. Quote, Teddy is no longer the Zoolander of Westworld, end quote. Thanks for the levity with a smiley face. So, <laughs> uh, you're quite welcome for that. I think that was your line. I, I, I was not. I'll take credit for that. Yeah, I was not clever enough to say something like that, so that's good. And then we had some notes. Uh, Alan once again said more discussion, less recap for the win in terms of our new, uh, our new format. So thank you for that. We're going to continue with that this week, unless we hear any bad feedback there. And then uh, Martin Hackett on Twitter at monkeys underscore dad said, "Episode five in the chase to read meaning in minor details to second guess the plot. We are the Greyhound. Nolan's kind of taking the piss." So the story about the Greyhound chasing mm. after the cat finally gets it, doesn't know what to do with itself. I see. Uh, we are sitting here chasing all of these trivial matters in, that is in true. Westworld, and ultimately, what does it mean to us? Or what, yeah, what, what, how do we come out ahead for having either guessed this or, or not? It yeah. kind of echoes back to something we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. Like, do you, do you get more out of the show if you, if you sit back a little bit more and let, let it unfold yeah. and savor it or... You know, I think it kind of comes down to your personality. If you really enjoy solving riddles and puzzles, it's fun to deconstruct. Yeah, I find it's, it it's hard for me to kind of figure out what I really like out of it because I do love that whole... I love it when people are really smart. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, watching people dissect things and figure things out, it's it's interesting to me. But then, oh, yeah. at the same time, I also cherish, like, it's, it's undoctored narrative experience. Like, you know, so... It's always fun watching something inspire people to want to dig so much deeper yes. and to get so much more into something. It's yes. nice. It, it's a, it takes a certain kind of story or a certain kind of experience to make people want to delve deeper. Absolutely. Like Southland Tales, not a great movie, but I really like it <laughs> and it made me want to dig deeper because yeah. I was so intrigued by this world. It's almost like the, the more that's set up and the less of it there actually is, if it clicks with you, you will want, it's like destiny. Yeah. If we're going to go talk video games, like there, there's so much, there's a wealth of now, now it's been mined. I don't want to say unmined, but there's a wealth of underlying story and content that you unlock in the game and you can read later. Yeah. But it's not there in the game. So in a way you're like, well, it's not good that it's not there, but if, if, if but the if game you're hooked enough, if the game clicks with you in terms of its world and and its in its overall presentation, you f- will feel compelled to to seek out more. And I think that's kind of cool. Absolutely. And Westworld is kind of that same way. At least as of right now, we are, you know, you and I and everyone listening and everyone watching right now. You're in the, we're in the very fortunate position of being into the show while it's premiering, especially in this first season before yeah. anybody really has any idea what shape it's taking. We're all standing too close to the painting. We haven't yet journeyed far enough from it to see the overall picture absolutely and 
people, you know, three, four, or five years from now are going to start watching the show because it'll be on, on you know, HBO I, I don't want to say Netflix, yeah. but yeah, exactly. And they'll just be able to binge the whole thing and they won't have the same experience that we are currently yeah. having. So yeah. take note and be proud of yourself, listeners, because you are experiencing history and it's pretty awesome. Absolutely. People are going to look back and go, eh, yeah, saw that coming, read, read about that. Yeah, it's even something that I noticed with our Preacher uh, uh, podcast that we did, Gone to Texas. There were some people that are picking it up afterwards that weren't necessarily going to stop at each episode and listen to us. Oh, exactly. Because when you go to binge something, you like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to stop watching Westworld to go and listen to somebody else talk about. Yeah, we're not it for that an hour. compelling. No, I would just go. I would just barrel straight through it, you know. And so um, you would listen to all of them back to back to back to back to back afterwards. Yeah, probably. And sometimes that's a little tedious. I don't want to. I don't want to diss on our show, but <laughs> I, I had obviously like the rest of America marathon Stranger Things, and I found yeah. a pod. I, I cycled through three awful podcasts about it. I was like, started listening. I was like, nope, nope, nope. And I found one I kind of liked, and I was like, okay. So I listened to the first episode, and I found myself getting a little impatient at times because yeah. they were stumbling around in the dark, going like, oh, what about yep. this? Or they'd be way off track with some wild theory. So that's why at the end of the season, we'll probably come back and do a season wrap up. Then at least those people who are barreling through, if they sure. don't want to stop to smell the roses, then they can listen to us at the end of it all. Or they could listen and, and just laugh at all of our blindly stumbling around <laughs> looking for the light switch and not hitting it sticking our fork in a socket absolutely instead. maybe we don't see the light switch because we're not meant to oh <laughs> all right and then we got one final uh, message on twitter from our friend katrine uh she said i'll keep it short my main complaint with the show i hold i question the hold that mave has over the text I don't understand why they would help her. It seems way too risky for them to help her. It seems like they're committing the ultimate sin against their employer, and I don't get what they get out of it. Um, I want to stop. She's got two other points that she had here. Uh, it's it's getting a little bit harder for me. It's hard for me to understand why they wouldn't. I, 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 guess, I guess in the initial episode that they started really figuring things out, which I would say is probably the last episode. Yeah, when did, really, she, when did she send the feedback? Uh, she, well, she sent the feedback today. She okay, has okay, seen okay. the most recent gotcha. one. Gotcha. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree. So, and that's the that's kind of the main thing is that it feels like these guys would hopefully have the intelligence to be like, we've messed up here. There's some bad stuff happening. You guys need to put like this is not good. Maeve wants to escape the park. So I guess we'll see where it goes. Maybe she'll <laughs> try. Maybe they'll try and like mea culpa it somehow and figure out how to get out from under the, but they're they're at the decision they're at the crossroads right now and i think uh sylvester is the one he's the one who's a little more hip to this is a problem and yeah felix, felix is felix felix is kind of in keeping with that whole theme of the rabbit hole like we've already started on this journey may yes. as well just forge ahead and see where it takes us but i think these guys are obviously the low men on the totem pole yeah they are probably required to pass some series of tests in order to get a job there yeah but they're not you know well felix i guess is kind of aspiring to something greater but yeah i have a feeling most of the dudes that work down there are kind of neanderthals mm-hmm. and as evidenced by some of the video footage that we've seen <laughs> and they they're just content to show up punch the clock do their thing and go home good old destin so yeah <laughs> so i'm i'm not too surprised in thinking that they're just kind of dumb. Some of them are probably kind of oafish yeah. in a way. I mean, they're they reasonably so. They, they have to be somewhat intelligent, I think, to work there. 
but they i think that they're kind of okay with self-preservation being the ultimate goal and may whether it be an attempt on their life or just job security they seem to kind of be like well the, but the main thing to me is i feel like once they're out of that room and mave goes back like what even even just the first time that it happened to felix where she woke up again yeah and it didn't even they didn't even necessarily have a conversation as of yet. She she's like, We need to continue our conversation. It seems like she's been telling it. I feel like he he should have even realized that he's not like there's nothing that's keeping him from putting an end to that situation that Felix, early Felix, on. You're saying? Felix, yeah. Okay. And and I guess, you know, what you're saying is that he wants to see where it's going, but I don't even know if he's necessarily there. Because I feel like Bernard was there with Dolores, which is what you brought up last episode. But Felix, I feel like should like if if that happened to me and I was like, man, I know I put her in sleep mode and she just keeps waking up. I would go to my manager and be like, hey, there's some crap going on here. We need to look at what's going on. Like, so I think there's an error there, but obviously for the sake of storytelling, I'm willing to let it go. Yeah. The only other thing I can think of is we don't really know how long they've been working there. We don't know what jobs are like outside of, uh, Delos. Delos. Yeah. And whether or not what happens to employees who have tampered, you know, if they're, yeah. if they have all been immediately prosecuted and sent to prison for, well, now, now that you know they're, I mean? now that they're tan, like I get, I get that they're pot committed now. Like they've tampered. They are clearly implicated here. They would lose their jobs if they, if this came out. Right. But there's still, I think there was enough time there because at the end of episode five, she woke up and said, Felix, we need to have a chat with the bird on her fingers. Mm-hmm. And then the next episode, she apparently goes back at some point. They talked a little bit, but he hasn't right. made any changes to her yet or anything. Like, I feel like she doesn't have much there to, to like, she doesn't have anything on them in order to keep them committed to her schemes. So the only other thing I can think of is maybe they're just too entranced by their encounter like which, they which are is, essentially have met extraterrestrial life you know and would you be able to turn away you know that's what I mean? the thing is that i think we are and and what i had bought into after all of that in, in in episode six was that i think Maeve can use her wiles and and her programming to keep them on the line and doing what she wants them to do so i I think that's what it is, but I feel like there was still that moment there that was a little bit iffy. So it's kind of one of those things that harkens back to you don't you wouldn't really know how you would react until you're in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. You yeah. know, it's uh, putting yourself into into their position, and can you really say what you would or wouldn't do if this if you know this essentially computer started talking to you and yeah. and, and was seeking more and kind of and you don't know how she would play on you either. You know, what I yeah. mean? like what what she would prey upon in order to kind of twist you into her. I, I see what she's saying. Yeah, but I, I'm I'm still kind of buying into it a little bit until something really batshit crazy happens. Yeah, I also think that they're probably waiting for a good opportunity to absolve themselves of the situation to where it can't be traced back to them. And yeah, because I think if they just you can't get rid of these things, you can't just throw her in the dumpster and like someone say, yeah. "Where'd that model go? We needed her for this." You know, yep. there's clearly a very fragile web here of how these these things are all connected to each other. So. We'll talk a little bit more about that in terms of the actual episode. Yeah. Uh, Katrine continues on to say, Dolores and William's storyline was hard to follow in this episode because compared to the Dallas storyline, it doesn't hold my interest and I already forgot what it was they needed to do with the box of dynamite or the, the nitro. Uh, that's a shame. I like the characters, but something's off. 
Um, I think it's a little bit of we didn't see any of them last week, so we're not moving along at the same clip. And and it's also not a lot happens with them. I mean, something big happens here with William, and we'll talk about that. But it does. There's they're very they're being very incremental about it. That's a great way to put it. I feel the same way even after this week's episode. I'm not particularly. I I become less invested with each passing week in them, and I think it's just because they are they haven't been woven into the overall fabric of the entire story yet. They're yes. in their own weird pocket story and until i can see how what they're doing relates Connects. to everything else i feel like i'm just don't really care yeah yeah and then uh last thing that i see uh finally as a native dane i shall miss cities babbitt nudson that's a terrible pronunciation i'm sorry uh she did good except for her slightly cringy danish accent other than that nice to see the motherland representing in westworld so yeah i she's been doing great i liked her as colin quite mm-hmm. a bit oh yeah uh so all right, thank you, Katrine. As a native Dane, that's funny. Yes. Uh, so we can move on to our episode recap. Um, so I wanted to start today with Dolores and William, as we were just kind of talking about it. We get William and Dolores and Lawrence riding on the train through Ghost Nation territory. Uh, William and Dolores do finally hook up for once, as we all kind of assumed they were going to. And then, of course, the morning after is when the train almost gets derailed. And they end up escaping the Confederados and the Ghost Nation and finding this area that she drew on the dust cover in the train. Uh, So we talked about this a little bit. Not a lot going on here. Um, I did want to kind of stop and say that it feels like this could maybe potentially, just to comment on this briefly, this could be that point where the man in black is born in the park. It sounds like, or it seems like. Or we could be getting there with it, but uh, yeah, the Man in Black talks about how he was this he was born in this park is something that he kind of says, and I think everybody took it to be his character that he's playing is was was born in this park, and um, so or he felt he was there and felt some sort of awakening that he hadn't. Prior. Yes, yes, and this could very well be that it picking up like, what you're laying down. It seems like he's he's fallen into place. He's he's hook line and sinkered by the park. He's bought in. Yeah. It does it for him. And I'm wondering here if like the death of Dolores eventually could give him that full heel turn that we think he is as the man in black, you know? There's something weird, you know, and right on. Um, if that, we'll, if we'll, that's we'll, true. We'll keep it, you know, yeah. raise, raising our hands. Yeah. Now there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> Nothing wrong with discussing it. Yep. Uh, but the only thing I'll say in regards to this theory that shall not be named uh, <laughs> is that the only detail that's that's kind of hinky to me is that the man in black shows no affection towards Dolores in in present quote unquote day, like when he when he drags her into the barn to cut her head off or whatever, he there he just refers to her as an old friend unless he becomes so thoroughly jaded that he can't look back upon her with any affection. Yeah, but I I find that inhuman. Yeah, that feels that feels a step too far. Yeah, I won't mention anything directly. As I said, we don't talk about the next time on in any detail. But I think there are things in the next time on hmm. that are calling a lot of stuff into question for me. Well, I feel like we're following the trail to the maze. And it feels like we're following the trail to where whatever happened with Arnold went down. Because I think the flashbacks Dolores is having... If if we're going to say, and I'm going to throw this out there, that we have we are sort of involved in three timelines. We'll say yeah. the timeline of Ford and Arnold... And the ultimate death of Arnold, or whatever happens to Arnold, uh, we're following the the Dolores William yep. 
and we're following the present day with Bernard and Cullen, et cetera, and the et cetera. board, yep, and the board. And I, and I think that Dolores is having these flashbacks, this little town, the little, uh, the little Chapel, church yeah. steeple, something, some shit went down there. And yep. I think that we're, we're, whether she knows it or not, we're following the trail back to there. And that seems to almost be where the maze sort of happens. If the maze is in fact the complex, yeah, which the maze could quite literally be just a maze of corridors and hallways. Or it could be the overall experience of making it to that area. That's the center of the maze. Yeah, yeah. the command center. Yeah, and I, uh, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I always I thought back in episode two or three, whenever that was, that Ford showed Bernard the steeple and said he's working on something big. I thought it would relate to that, but that seemed more like they were looking at that, and it was like a memory for him. He was, yes. and Bernard doesn't see any significance yes. to it. Um, and it was Porter's just kind of talking. I'm actually. I want to say something so bad right now, but it has to do with the next time on, and I can't say it. <laughs> okay, I'm. Uh, I'm actually. One of my favorite burning questions is what is Ford's new narrative? Yeah, I would. I hope that we get to see it through and 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 discover what it is, and that he doesn't just croak or, or something happens that we just never get to see and say, yeah. oh, it was just some crazy big shit like that. Uh, it feels like there's there's it's it's his opus. Yeah, he's building towards something grand and his his finale, and I want to see what it is really bad. Absolutely, I love. Ford. I agree, I agree. But other than that, the storyline of of uh, Dolores and William is just not. It's not really pulling me along. When when the coolest part of it is, uh, Clifton Collins with like a rifle. Yeah, a that, repeater. Yeah, just that was sweet. Blowing up the dude filled with nitro. That was a pretty. It was a cool moment. There were some people thinking, I, w- I was watching somebody stream about or talk about this on the internet last night. There were some people thinking that that was milk coming out of the guy's eyes. I was like, no, it was nitro. Right. We saw them put the nitro into these bodies. Yeah. And then he shoots it and he explodes very violently. It's not combustible milk. No. <laughs> so There yeah. was something about that moment that struck me as so dumb and I don't even remember what it is. Oh, well, doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean the rocks on the on the train. I was like, yeah, this has got to be a setup or something. Somebody's coming for them. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It was something. No, it was something about sending the body out on the horse. I was kind of oh. like, oh, I I felt like they would have shot him immediately. Yeah, or as they're riding away with the other two or three bodies, just shoot one of them. Shoot one of those <laughs> yeah, guys. Just yeah, kill them all. It definitely yeah. kind of felt like a fistful of dollars kind of ploy. A little bit. It was kind of a throwback western kind of moment of send out the body on the horse and yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the only other things I wanted to note, we did learn that uh, Logan's sister's name is Juliet. I don't know if that would be important or anything later on. Uh, and uh, William has a has a moment where he says, in Westworld, he doesn't have to pretend. He can't go back now that he knows what this feels like. Yeah. Uh, which I think is obviously a pretty pretty big moment for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Clifton Collins Jr. or Lawrence saying, Viacon Dios, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> shooting, yeah, that shooting was great. It was a beautiful little moment. And then there are some people noting that as uh, William and Dolores decide to forge ahead on their own, William says to Lawrence, this, I'm afraid this is where we part ways, which is apparently very similar to the way that the man in black said goodbye to Lawrence. Oh, really? Yes. That's funny. So. wonder what that means. Yeah, I don't know. I don't huh. know. All right. So next up here, I'm going to go to Westworld HQ. Uh, we get a little bit of Bernard dreaming of Charlie, his son. Uh, reading him Alice in Wonderland. Of course. Um, Bernard also goes to diagnose Hector. Uh, just kind of a final QA check, I guess, to clear him after the after the update. It seems like they're talking about having a backlog 
and needing to work through that. Mm-hmm. So he diagnoses Hector and shows him the self-awareness protocol photos, and it seems like he's okay. Uh, Elsie started her leave today, mm-hmm. according to a random dude in the hallway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, shady. Yeah, very shady. Um, what happens at big IT companies when you're co-worker is just not at work and some mysterious man who you've never seen until this point <laughs> walks in and goes she started her leave today <laughs> and that's the thing it's like they live there <laughs> like yeah no they don't shit. even go home and like get a lot like you know we still don't even know if it's on earth for christ's yeah. sake oh she's 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 on leave <laughs> what that was funny I, chilling I, in the sea of I, tranquility I chuckle. I'm like, who's this ricky j looking guy coming in and saying she's on leave yeah uh, Bernard continues to try to locate Elsie with Cullen. They have a little conversation there. She, he doesn't tell her about what they found out. Uh, Cullen meets with Hale. I, I guess. D- did you have anything up to there? No. Nothing. Nothing. There's nothing too crazy going Please on. Please continue. Um. Uh. So Cullen meets with Hale. Hale's the nice board representative that we meet. Uh. She's banging Hector in her hotel room, butt naked with Cullen at the door. Uh, it seemed like a very, some people are saying like, oh, this seems really weird to me. Why would she do that? I was like, it's a total power play, man. She's just being like, I can do whatever the hell I want here. I'm not threatened by you at all. Cullen, <clears throat> this is, you, you got to deal with me. Mm-hmm. Is kind of what I got out of the situation. Uh, how'd you feel about that scene? I really don't like Hale. Don't like her as in... I don't like the actress. Okay. She feels Tessa like Thompson. she's incredibly overacting to me. Some people are saying that she she doesn't... There's a lot of people calling into question the fact that she's like she's a board member and she's that young and all this kinds of stuff. Um, I mean, that, that also seems true. And she seems to know... She seems to kind of express a long-term awareness of Cullen. Yeah. And she does seem like she's what, like... 30 30 maybe early 30s yeah (laughs) but i really i think she just is really disruptive to my enjoyment of the show i think her acting is atrocious interesting Ugh. every every line is overacted and feels awkward and stiff even her like body language just feels so over the top and not in like a size more kind of way where it feels controlled yeah it feels like she may be a very capable actress in like another movie but surrounded by all of these absolute top caliber actors she sticks out like a sore thumb and i think she's really bad yeah i mean she didn't she didn't really bother me that much but i think um we're just it and and i it could just be some shock because we're used to dealing with such nuance in this show especially amongst the characters because like elsie says everyone has an agenda so everybody's very controlled and reined in and here she comes swinging around you know causing a scene uh you know, banging one of the hosts just for the hell of it, uh, playing with Sizemore by not letting him know who she is. Like she's clearly there to cause a dust up. Yeah. And maybe I'm just not responding well to that, but we've got some broader characters on the show. So like Logan's pretty broad and the man in black is sometimes pretty broad with his actions and his words and his acting and something about her, I don't know. And I could, I could totally be the only one who thinks that. But I, I was pulled out of it I right don't, away. I don't think you are. I think there are a lot of people that are thinking that way. Yeah, I just is, got sucked right out of it. I was, is, I was like, oh, this sucks. Yeah, I don't know. The scenes just felt really 
bad after that. Like when she laid, I remember the when she lays down on the couch and she's talking to Colin, her head is on the <laughs> armrest and she's like Harley Quinn. I was all of a sudden, I was like, what the shit is this? <laughs> this isn't interesting to me anymore. Yeah. But we'll see what happens next week. Yeah. Um, but I actually couldn't pay attention to the dialogue because I was so distracted. I, I got the gist of the scene. Well, like, yeah. Okay. And I, w- I did want to run through real quick. We kind of learned that um, obviously the board is, is doing their, she calls it a little research project. Um, they care about the code in the park, which apparently has not been backed up at all after 35 years because Ford won't let that happen. That's great. Um, which I assume, and I, I believe later on gets confirmed that Cullen is, is using the satellite uplink to get that data out to the board. Right. Cause she's using a Delos satellite. So obviously, and then, um, the board needs a blood sacrifice to show how dangerous the hosts are. And they want somebody thoroughly unexpected, which leads us to the demonstration. Uh, they pull Clementine out. Um, yeah, they pull Clementine out of the park and then they send a programmed host to be recognized as a human in there to interact with her. And in her current state, post reverie uh, rollback, she does not harm the guy, but when they put her in the reverie mode, she basically dismantles this dude very easily. Um, and they mentioned that she... It all was very ham-fisted and very... It felt very... Um, uh, it felt like Colin and and Hale were kind of being like, look at these bad things. This is all bad, and these this could mean this. And they were they were like they were making they were making laying out this equation to these two people that are the smartest people in the park. And I was like, I don't think Bernard says later on Ford. I saw through that. What is Ford going to think? Oh, I know. And it's it, that's exactly how it felt to me in the moment too. Although I was worried that Stubbs was going to die. <laughs> This could mean this. That's my the, favorite thing that you said. <laughs> that should be the tagline for the show. <laughs> this could mean this. That's just that's. It felt like they were just fly. It, it was like one of those really bad like. It was kind step of, one, step two, step three, dot dot dot, step four, profit. Like that's what it felt like it, to it me. It felt like watching someone demonstrate a ninja blender in a mall. Like it was very <laughs> clunky and yeah. felt really scripted and just stiff and dopey yes i will agree i mean as far as what was happening in the scene i also thought the whole thing was kind of felt that way as a viewer of the show i was kind of like this doesn't feel like it was done i don't know i guess that's probably by design it i think it, that, i think that, it that's what's happening in the scene yeah. but I, I remember kind of thinking ultimately like okay so their their entire play here is just to try to get rid of ford to get bernard to roll over on ford yes. and and have cause to go after ford but the funny thing was, and I, and I know that's what would happen, but I, I'm also thinking, you know, if they're able to, at the push of a button, turn them back into the previous, just do that to everyone in the park. Yeah. Like, if if you have that solution, I understand that they're using this to leverage Ford out, but it's really funny that if they could just press a button on a tablet and then just be like, oh, she's back, she's safe, we're yeah. good. I think, that, I think some of that might be, like, you and I don't really understand board politics very much. No, I mean, I... So I like I I, I, under, I understand politically what's going on, and I understand that although the solution may be that simple, that it could still get someone fired. Yeah, it's well, like, and they it, also it, want him. It's out like of there, it's so like releasing a releasing a, a a minivan or some product without a warning label on it, and then just like, oh well, we have this easy solution. 
here it is. Be like, well, sorry, you're still going to get fired for it because you yeah. screwed up. Somebody I, has to I go. get it. I get what would happen in real yeah. life, but it still just is so goofy. Yeah. Especially you would think in a more sophisticated time. But Ford, as we know, and as we learn even further, is kind of invaluable to the whole process. And he's not going to let anything go until he's ready to yeah. on his terms. And it seems like if they're going to mess with the bull. They're going to get the horns. Yeah. Uh, I was uh, Bernard not rolling on Ford was like a I I don't I don't I can't really put words to how I reacted to that but I was kind of like man he's really willing to take that fall for Ford I think but I think he also would have maybe hoped that if he just let the scene play out and and call their call their bluff so to speak see what happens yep because can they really fire him for that you know what i mean yeah she says she can but you know yeah does she speak for the entire board you know can she overrule ford like that what percent of the board is he is he 51 percent? you know what i mean that kind of yeah thing. so anyway i think he made the right move by not flinching and just kind of letting it happen yeah yeah i feel like he would have talked to ford later on and been like what do we do here yeah exactly ford would have been like just chill bro plus he still has shit on his mind he's got to talk to cullen yep. so he's just gonna take the take the public lashing in front of everybody and then deal with it later yeah yep. plus he probably still wants to maintain ford's trust at that point because clearly he's suspicious and wary of what ford's got going on yeah all right well i wanted to take a break there to go and talk about mave was there anything else you wanted to say before we get into that just in terms of those couple no of are scenes? we going to go back to the scene when yes. okay yep all right, so then uh, we've got Maeve. Maeve wakes up in the park. It's a random day, normal day, whatever, until she just decides to turn off the player piano. Big guy gets killed again. Big guy does get killed again. but uh, Always cracks me up. Although I don't necessarily know if that was big guy. Oh, yeah, it was for sure. You're sure? Because they, they seem like the same two people. So it seems like they're the guy. The guy in the trench coat was definitely the huge guy, and it's really funny because he turns and he starts to draw, and then he just stands there and waits yeah. for the guests to fumble their pistol <laughs> yeah, out and yeah, shoot him. I, guess I was that's like, right. this guy's literally programmed just to do that and wait for somebody to kill him. It's so awesome. <laughs> I guess I just wasn't thinking that the the guy that's killing him was a ho- or was a guest. Like it, it's it seemed so scripted to me, but maybe that's because it's the beginning of the park. Yeah, like the I would say. It's, I mean, it's definitely a guest. It's got to be he's very pulling his pissed out like a. Like an Total idiot. jackass, yeah. yeah. And the dude just stands there kind of like this and waits for it. It's really funny. Like that that That's really true. cracked me up. I was like, I love watching this play out in the background all the time. Yeah. Um and yeah, so she shuts off the player piano, very interesting, and that's when they take Clementine out of the park in the middle of the day. Um and Maeve why can't Maeve why isn't Maeve frozen? I think she's she's beyond she's too aware now for that to happen. It's weird to me, though. Like, it, uh, like I guess, because they did suggest that there was somebody else altering her personality. So maybe whoever is... That could be. Whoever's doing that has, uh, like, disabled her from the normal. I also, I think that maybe she's just kind of attained a new level of enlightenment, so to speak. Yeah. So, like, a way that if somebody studies and trains and practices meditation, or they, they can gain some elevated control over their body the rest of us can't like in order to like tune out pain for example or something like that that may be it but i don't i just feel like it still comes down to like programming to me but I, but we I don't, don't know, know how they work we don't everyone in the show even says that like we, <laughs> yeah. we don't know how they work and yep. we at best we have like a loose yoke around them and we can kind of steer them and keep them at bay but what if they loose their head from the yoke and they're able to look around yeah and we we don't have that same control that's true 
she's she is kind of the next step in a way she's kind of like the evolution she's above yeah even them and they're above us so to speak so i i think I, I, that's what I took it as immediately. I was like, oh, wow, she can't be turned off. Like, yeah. Right now. She can be killed and reinserted. And that's fair. Yeah. It was awesome. I loved that. It scene. was very cool. That was, again, super scary. Yeah. I was like, and I should be scared of Maeve at this point. Yeah. But in that moment, I was totally like, oh, fuck, this is really creepy. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's those, those suits, those containments are so eerie. Yeah. Absolutely. It's great. It was a great scene. Uh, then uh, later on, we see Maeve waking up in Westworld HQ. She wants to see Clementine. And she sees Clementine get decommissioned by Sylvester. And, uh, yeah, and in front of Colin. That's when we see Bernard pull Colin away, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Yes, we know you're all waiting. Yes, and then Sylvester and Felix uh, try to appeal to Maeve and that, you know, she they had to do it and he did it for you. Uh, but Maeve ultimately wants to get out of the park. And uh, Sylvester explains that everything was designed to keep them in the park. She gets this sweet line about, you think I'm scared of death. I've done it a million times, and I'm fucking great at it. How many times have you died? Very nice. It was awesome. And then uh, she tells him, if you don't help me, I'll kill you. And we hear that Westworld cue mm-hmm. from the from the original movie, uh, the the kind of percussive sound. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it plays in that moment. I was like, ooh. So now I want to go back and watch the whole show so I can listen for that, where it like right. pops up in more places. Um. Yeah, Maeve, Maeve's headed for some some crazy stuff. Yeah, and the 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 way she said that, and the notion that yeah, she has died a tons times, of times, yeah. and she's now presumably able to recall a lot of her memory. Um, it's pretty awesome. Like that's a force to be reckoned with. It's kind of like the uh, Seraphims and Preacher to go back to Ghana, Texas for a second. Yeah, they just keep keep coming back. Yeah, and you can't you can't keep them down. And Absolutely, that's, like, that's a whole other kind of scary. It's it's almost it's like the terminator really and the well, first, it's like first, the terminator which was inspired by westworld first terminator film yeah <laughs> like you couldn't couldn't stop i did read up on that and and that arnold apparently studied yul brenner's performance in westworld to kind of bring that to the terminator he says that now he said well no but that that was like oh i know it was inspired thematically I just always like to believe that Arnold was such a bad actor like that he thought he was acting. Like he, <laughs> That's possible, too. He thought that that was him. He had all of the acting prowess as a gunslinging robot he, in the 70s. Yeah, he had. He thought he was turning in a great performance, and it's like the most wooden thing ever. <laughs> I love it. Most mechanical, I guess, would be better. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I, I did like that line quite a bit. Yeah. I think Maeve, man, Maeve wanting to get out of the park is pretty wild. Yeah, but ultimately it feels like to me that it, like it's once again the Greyhound G- calls back to the Greyhound story of like when she gets out, where is she? What is she going to do? Like, that's crazy. <laughs> well, yeah, what are you going to do and and why do you want to do it? Yeah. Like, I think that in, in Westworld, if she played her cards right and stayed, she could become a god, essentially. She could run it. Yeah. And once she gets out, it's like, you know, you're the fish who runs the pond and when you jump out, what then? Yeah. It kind of reminds me of if we're going to talk comics for a hot second in Fantastic Four, um, one of the characters, uh, the daughter of Franklin, or I'm sorry, the daughter of Reed and Sue Richards, uh, Valeria, she has a really hilarious relationship with Dr. Doom and uh, they like respect each other on like a, on a peer level. And uh, she, she asks him something. I actually, I'm going to ruin it now because I don't remember the context, but she asks him why he wants to do something or how, 
how he thinks he can achieve something that seems so crazy. It's yeah. like end of the world type stuff. It's really cool. It's at the end of the whole uh, series by Jonathan Ekman. And uh, Doom turns to Valeria and says, uh, he says, I was a god once, Valeria. I found it boring or something <laughs> like that. Or he, says, I f- he says, I found it beneath me or something like that. And like Doom is kind of that character where he strives for these insane heights and he achieves them. And then he's like, well, what now? Like, yeah. Done. <laughs> Check it out the bucket list. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel about Maeve. She might be setting herself up for kind of a fall. Like yeah. If, if you, but yeah, I guess I could be fixed with a turn of a dial, turn her into a dummy again. Or yeah. Who or knows? is she beyond that now? Can they can they scale her can down from where she is? Yeah. I don't know. That's another scary know. thought. I do love the the scene with her uh, talking to Clementine. It's kind of a two two parter. Her talking to Clementine in the bar, and then Clementine being lobotomized and and decommissioned. Because Maeve is listening to her tell this whole story, and Maeve is aware that none of it's real. Yep. And Clementine believes it, knows it, in fact, yeah. to be to be her story, and that she's got family waiting there, and that her goal is to move somewhere cold. And that was such a heartbreaking scene because because of what Maeve is thinking, but also what Clementine's thinking, but also it it, it I really liked it because it play it was kind of opposite of what you always hear like it seems like a, a minor detail but I like that she said she wanted to move somewhere colder and I thought that was really yeah. interesting because in movies there's always these characters that want up for a better life they always kind of want to move somewhere warmer or well and we who live appealing. in Michigan of course that's all most of our friends say when the snow rolls around yeah like, I like oh, it here I don't know what they're talking about. I don't know what they're talking about either but, but uh yeah that, that scene was really amazing that was some of my favorite writing I think of the series and and Tandy Newton continues to just crush it yeah she, she steps up to the plate she she's just, acting with muscles that i didn't know existed in her face yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it's insane um and and yeah just that moment I, I wrote in the notes Maeve falls slightly for her story or at least her programming is what i wrote for it of like she's kind of she's not falling for the story per se she's falling for the fact that like oh you think this is true and so yeah she feels she pities her i think in that moment because she's watching her talk about this and think like, man, she really believes that. And I think in that moment, she also kind of self reflexively pities herself because she was that way for so long. Yep. Yeah. She's uh, Tandy Dune is just killer. She's the lady Anthony Hopkins. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Those two need to have an act off in a room. (laughs) It'd be awesome. That'd be pretty good. Maybe Uh, we'll get that. (laughs) Potentially. That might be coming. That could be down the pipeline. All right, and then uh, we can get to the the piece de resistance to continue the French theme of the episode. Let's do it. Uh, Bernard and Cullen, they they have a little conversation after she gets pulled out of Clementine's decommissioning, and Bernard talks about uh, how he knows about the satellite uplink and uh, kind of tells her what he thinks is kind of how Ford is going off the rails. And then uh, she t- he takes her to go and, and check out the house that he discovered last week. Uh, I did want to note, Cullen gets very personable with Bernard after he kind of rips the facade off of her a little bit, which I thought was a nice touch of showing that she's not just being a monster in terms of like... She's, she starts calling him Bernie and talks about how she just wanted to protect the park and things like that. I think I read that as her pulling... like. I feel like every time that we've seen them interact since they broke up, quote unquote, you see a pain in her face where she really wanted to be with him. At least that's what I thought. And so when he kind of calls her on everything that's gone on or that he thinks is going on, uh, I think she kind of reverts back to the, 
you know, I care about you. And so I thought that was cool. I would say either that or that's her that's her play. Maybe, maybe that's her play, but I, I, you know. I think you could take it either way. And, yeah. And it's acceptable for sure. Yeah. It's sad that we don't know. <laughs> yeah. Ultimately. So then uh, in the house, uh, we did get a line from Bernard. The longer I work here, this is in the elevator. The longer I work here, the more I think I understand the host. It's the humans that who, human beings who confuse me. A little bit of momentary foreshadowing there. There's a lot of lines I think we're going to look back on with a whole different yes. view now. Yes. I do love her line, too, about we're going up into the park at night. Should we have a security team? And I'm like, why doesn't anyone else ask this question? <laughs> well, yeah. and at least this time Bernard has a good reason. I guess Elsie did, too, if she didn't believe anybody. But at least she could have brought Bernard with Although her. Although he, he does have the, the, the counterpoint, we can't trust anybody. Yeah. And that's probably what Elsie is thinking as well. Maybe so. But like you would think that she would, like she's been talking with Bernard about it. Why not take him? But, you know. Oh, well. Uh, so then we proceed into the house, and the uh, the hosts are gone. Uh, Ford's family are gone, and uh, they're kind of walking in there. They, they remark that nobody's seen this house. It's not in any of the plans. The surveyors don't see it, all this kinds of stuff. Bernard explains the hosts are programmed to ignore the place. They couldn't see it if they were staring right at it. And then that's when we walk into that room, and as the camera angle, we see that camera angle, there's no door there or anything, and then it pans away, and then we hear her say, what's behind this door? It pans back. There's a door there that we didn't see before, and Bernard says, what door? What door? Oh, The line heard around the world. <laughs> God, it was so good. It was It was amazing. This was, that was That was one of those moments that we used to get with Lost, where a question would be answered or... A line would be said that we've been waiting for a character to say. Yeah. Or we get this this watershed moment and just to have it summed up in two words like that and have all of these Oh just so much came crashing down in that yes. moment. It was amazing. Absolutely. And I he said what door and I my heart just broke. Mine stopped. It didn't <laughs> break, but it just stopped. I was just like, like, Oh my god, Bernard's host and it just it like overwhelmed me in that moment. And I Yeah. Jesus. And it's funny because we've we've been talking about this idea for for some time now yeah. and yet even when faced with the reality of it it's kind of horrifying. It's, and yeah. and it's uh it's kind of like what does it mean? Like we thought it might happen but now that it's here we're like oh god. What are the implications it's kind of like of the this? election really. Like <laughs> some of us may have thought in the back of our mind could it happen? It could happen and but hopefully but now, it won't. But now that it's here, everyone's I mean, everyone's kind of aghast. I don't think we've ever, ever... I mean, obviously, I haven't been alive that long. Yeah. But I don't know if, a, if an election has ever been met with such outright shock. Yeah. To where even the elect is shocked, <laughs> as clearly evidenced by pretty much Photos, every televised appearance <laughs> since then. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the show, not... <laughs> and the auction's amazing too, but, <laughs> but in different ways. But yeah, the, but this moment in the show, I mean, it's it 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 rewrites everything. It redefines everything, yeah. and it, it's incredible. That we it, now can't trust any any scene with Bernard. My perception of reality has been questioned. Now, yeah, and anything anything and everything is suspect. And yep. I I don't know. The only two people who I know are humans are Cullen and ford <laughs> anyone else is up for grabs really it's pretty uh yeah it's pretty staggering yeah 
Oh, it's wonderful. It's uh, I, I love it. Mm-hmm. It's great. Uh, Bernard explains once they go down the stairs that this is a uh, this is a remote diagnostic facility uh, used when the park was in beta. Uh, it seems that it looks a lot like the areas where yep. Arnold yep. or Bernard yep. is talking with Dolores yep. in the in the past. Supposedly. I bet it's right around the corner. Yeah, like we didn't see the full space, and I'll bet. Well, no, it, it, we. I think we do really see the full space. You think and that's it, it? Looks like that is the room, or at least one very much like it. So if there's other ones hidden, it seems like it could very much be be built that way. Uh, he notes that the machinery that's in there is newer, right? But slower. So it's not like that would have been there in the past. I wonder who he's building. There are there are some thoughts that it could be Cullen. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Which is mortifying. Oh you're probably right. <laughs> but uh, but we'll see. Who knows? Who knows? Wow. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. I hadn't even asked the question until like ten seconds ago. Yeah, I don't I who I, I really don't know like who else he could be potentially building. It's it's Yule Brenner. Yeah, hopefully. Same timeline. Uh. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. Well, I want to note right now before we get any further into the scene, I was so impressed with how Jeffrey Wright's performance absolutely changed right after the wet door line. Yes. Everything was different yes. about the way he spoke, the way he looked, the look in his eye, the way he, it was, it was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. There was an interview with uh, Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy where they talk about it a little bit and how they, he knew earlier on, Jeffrey Wright knew a little bit earlier on than anybody else that he was a host. Okay. And so apparently he, they, they were remarking of, about his decisions and how he performed, like played certain spots that felt like him playing a robot that thinks he's not a robot is, is prevalent throughout the series. So I'm very interested to go back and look at him more closely and see what feels robotic and what doesn't right look at the choices that he made so it's it's very yeah because before he just comes across as like kind of a slightly awkward yeah programmer a guy uh, who's uh, all about some, his work a slightly asocial kind of mm-hmm. you know so it's very interesting um yeah so then uh colin gets a look at some schematics there's one for robert which is the young boy we get one for dolores and we know it's coming and then that third one is of course Bernard, um, and that's when all doubt is obviously removed that Bernard is a host. Um, I'm so glad that everything played out in that moment because yeah. I was really, really concerned they were going to end the episode without Bernard knowing, uh, or or at least not that he knows, but without without him being confronted with it and without somebody else, without this mystery being figured out. Yeah, because we know, and I. Sometimes I enjoy when the audience knows and the characters aren't privy to certain information. But in this instance, I was like, let's just get it out there. Yeah. Yeah. And somebody noted on Reddit, it's like the the moment with what door was for us. Right. And then the schematic is for Cullen. Right. And so that's when she realizes. And It's and really Bernard. interesting how Bernard passes through the door and doesn't ask, exactly. what am I doing right now? And it's, I guess it's basically like the hosts in the park when someone says, hey, so you're a host. What's up? You're a robot. And they just are programmed to kind of just maybe the issue. Maybe he switched into that yep. tour guide mode that we were kind of talking exactly. about or something like that where he's just being pulled along. But I was kind of wondering that too of like how does he even comprehend that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will note that there is a, the moment where Ford appears out of nowhere in that house. 
he's standing right in front of where that door is. If oh, he, yeah, uh, like yeah. he came up from the basement. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, which is great. Um but yeah, so I something that we texted about a little bit, uh whether or not the name Arnold is on that page. I've kind of come around. I don't think it I think it says Bernard. It probably says Bernard. I think it says Bernard cuz otherwise otherwise I feel like Cullen would Cullen would have been like uh would raise the other eyebrow. And- yeah, cuz she very much she she even has the question is this what you did to Arnold? So it's not did you have Bernard kill Arnold is essentially what she asks. Right. So it's kind of like, you know, it's not like she would know that he's a replica if he is. Yeah. We don't know yet. Um, But then we get a great discussion with Ford and Colin about she thinks he's a monster. And he says that the hosts are actually the ones who are free in this park under his control, <laughs> which I felt was like a very Loki statement. <laughs> It was interesting. I, I kind of took it two ways. One being, like you said, it's it's a very kind of, it's a little sadistic. And Subjugation. He's, he's having some fun with it. Yes. But I think also he's kind of implying that they are free as long as he's the one in control. Yeah. Like he's he's kind of the benevolent overlord and he, he tries to make the best life and best existence for them that he can. And yeah. I think he might be implying that should the board or somebody else seize control of the park, uh, life quality of life for the hosts would be altered. Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. That's entirely. Yeah. I think deep down inside, and and we're we're going to talk about Ford a lot more in the coming weeks, I'm sure, and and tremendous amount in the recap episode. But I think Ford has he has a love for these things. He has a respect, and in in ways like Bernard says, he understands them better than humans. I think Ford understands humans very well, which yes. is what puts him in the position he's in. Yeah. But I think he definitely has. I mean, they're his creations. Yes. Yeah. He loves them. You know. Absolutely. As hopefully any loving God would. So it's. Uh, it's a great it's a great relationship that he has with the park. Yeah. Yeah, and even just the idea that we as humans are not free of our own demons, you know. I think it's a very obviously it's not like a very particularly poignant statement, but it still is it's interesting to think of it that way that that they as the creations can have that stripped of them from their programming. Yeah, and, and obviously the whole series has been calling into question this notion of free will yeah. and it, it it's going to bring it up even more now yep. with the discovery of Bernard and also just this this idea that they live the freest lives of all under his control. Like, do we really, when we think we're choosing, are we choosing? Yeah. yeah. Or is that the choice we were always going to make? Mm-hmm. It's awesome. <laughs> it's really fun stuff to think about. Uh, Some light Sunday night viewing. <laughs> uh, light and breezy. Just, to get yeah, your... just popped right over to the New England Seattle game <laughs> right after that. And I was like, didn't even feel the transition. <laughs> um. And then, so we get a little bit, uh, we have a little bit of repeated dialogue here where Ford mentions that the board needs a uh, blood sacrifice. Um, some people have kind of calling that in a question of like, well, is uh, Charlotte Hale, uh, Tessa Thompson's character, the board member, is she some kind of host? But Jonathan Nolan is kind of like, hey, uh, Hector was in that room. Ford has access to everything. Maybe Hector heard that conversation. You know, obviously he's obviously Ford is very invested in figuring out what the board wants and what they want to see and what they're trying to do. So he would maybe be spying on them using interesting that kind of technology is kind of the implication there, I think. Yeah, I kind of uh, I got a weird vibe from that all that whole situation that I'm now that I'm thinking about it further. I'm almost certain is wrong, but I kind of got the understanding because Ford says. Cullen says something to the effect of they want to fire Ford, they want to replace Ford. And he yep. says, our arrangement is far too valuable. Yeah. And then when he calls that blood sacrifice, 
line to her. I almost got the vibe that Ford and the board are in cahoots. Yeah, and, and I could I could maybe see a little bit of that too, but I don't understand why the wool would be over. But maybe. Or, I, or at least Ford and a portion of the board. Yeah. And maybe there's like a divide in the board because we know Cullen is feeding data to somebody. Yeah. And I kind of got the vibe that Hale has that meeting with Cullen to prompt her into action. Yeah. And maybe there are more chess pieces here than we know and maybe ford ford if we're gonna if i'm gonna believe in this theory maybe ford and hale are on the same page and ford knows he has control of bernard and he basically tells Hale, you've just got to force cullen into a confrontation in which bernard gets fired and can talk to cullen because if he just told i guess he could all it begs the question why didn't he just tell bernard hey go talk to cullen bring her down here <laughs> yeah before this confrontation but maybe which is to, kind of what he says he did yeah even to her yeah that he asked bernard to bring her to down bring there. her down yeah it's interesting i, I got to see one more episode to really think anymore about it but the way ford said that it seemed and, and also when he said to cullen oh they're already here like i think may, I, I think maybe that the the notion that we've been presented with a dissatisfied board is maybe not entirely true mm. maybe there is an arrangement there between them and ford and maybe maybe they, maybe cullen was just the one with the big aspirations to get ford out of there and maybe this notion of a blood sacrifice has been done before maybe the board yeah. has offered up people to ford for some nefarious purpose in the past and yeah. she just happened to be the lamb that was chosen and sent to slaughter because either she had bigger aspirations or she they knew she would not play nice and go along with whatever the grand scheme is yeah maybe and maybe the giant new narrative that ford is working on with the board is something that they're interested in maybe and 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 hale did say uh that there's more there there's more to the park than just the host and she says you know do you really think that's all that's going on here and and the man in black knows that he knows there's something bigger about the park maybe the board and Ford are working together to get to the bottom of Arnold's ultimate mystery. Yeah. And the man in black is also pursuing it. I don't know. There's the, I gotta I can't wait. Well, yeah. And then there's the idea that I think we've talked about where maybe the man in black is Ford's tool to figuring out. Arnold. Yeah, that's true. Maybe he so, says he's smarter yeah. than that, or he's more dogged than me. Certainly <laughs> he's younger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. Anyway, on with the scene. Yeah, uh, so basically they have that little conversation, but then ultimately it ends in Bernard murdering Cullen at the request of Ford. Uh, yeah. It was pretty gnarly. It was terrifying. It was. <laughs> that it was so methodical. Yeah, and, and, and that shot of seeing the new person being created as her life is ending was kind of like... That circle of life moment of like it's a little bit it could be a suggestion to the maybe that's actually Colin being built right now but I don't know maybe the blood sacrifice is getting rid of a high ranking member and putting a host in their place so they'll have more control maybe maybe the board we don't know much about the board we yeah. we don't know anything about the board we don't know how long they've even been in the picture yeah but I was thinking maybe Arnold was was dispatched in the same way yeah for the same reason yeah and that's that's kind of suge- yeah like but then no- you think they would just have a host called arnold that was arnold yeah maybe yeah i don't know whatever i don't know yeah that was scene was amazing jeffrey wright taking off that coat and that tie that was crazy yeah awesome and i did want to note the final line of it ford tells bernard to get back to work they have a lot of work to do on the new story lines mm-hmm. he says plural so i that seemed 
Interesting. I'm really curious to see how the relationship between Bernard and Ford is from this point out. I think that the temptation and probably the gut reaction for most viewers is to probably be to probably dismiss Bernard as a character and be like, okay, he's just a puppet. Yeah. And no longer be invested in him. But we know that Maeve and Dolores, for example, are evolving beyond their current their their I- ideal programmed state. And I I'd be disappointed if Bernard was relegated now to just a henchman. I feel like they're they've they've invested us in him enough and they've set him up enough to where he's gonna evolve as well and probably start to question things and yeah i don't know if he's going to remember anything and if if we're going to be forced to feel sorry for him while he stumbles around and doesn't know where cullen is that sort of thing well we were um there there was somebody talking about online uh because they mentioned last episode that all the hosts are set to 14 in terms of their bulk apperception that keeps their intelligence at a manageable level some people on, online suggested that maybe Bernard, somebody like Bernard, maybe maybe they're kept at 14 so that a host like Bernard could be set at a 20 to kind of proceed over them in that kind of way. Well, Bern- yeah, and but, but, uh, but Bernard is also off the books. He's, yeah. he's a secret project, and he might be... He might be a fifty. He could be, yeah. He could be something insane. Yeah, we don't. So clearly, he's he's very intelligent. So yeah. It's uh, it's quite shocking. Yeah. He, like even we may have seen it coming, but it's still. Yeah, it still affected me in a very interesting way. Like I still. It's it's amazing as I simultaneously like you. I, I felt sad and I felt excited and yeah. I felt interested yeah. and I felt happy in a weird way just yeah. like that we were that it's like we're going there <laughs> that's something really big it has happened finally because it feels like we've had uh, many episodes of setup yeah and i'm waiting for the next three to just be nothing but payoff yeah and although that that may end up being kind of an uneven seesaw in the end and i'll be kind of like well here i am on this one end and, and here's this this giant weight on the other making the season feel unbalanced in the end i, I don't know i guess we'll yeah see. Yeah, we'll have to see how this goes. I don't know what I'm expecting out of the next episode, but... Yeah, me either. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Shit's crazy. It is. It's really, uh, it's really amazing. Yeah. This episode oh. felt very satisfying to me after the last... I think the last two I was a little ho-hum on. Yeah. I, I liked the previous one a lot because the Maeve storyline was very engaging. Yes. But this one... The, the ending left me very excited. This this yeah. would be the point where, like, back in the day, uh, you know, the Lost logo would pop up, and I'd be like, okay, one more, and it'd be yep. two in the morning. Yep. Because that did happen. Um, the I did want to say that the music in this episode is fantastic, in particular. Like, there... The, like, uh, so, I, as normal, I watched this at least two times before we record. I did end up watching the last 20 minutes again with Nicole, because she had to finish it today. But... Um, Knowing when things were coming and listening to the music as it's happening and seeing as things turn, it was there's a, there's a great cue when Bernard says what door. There's another great cue when he starts realizing it, and it's just it's phenomenal. I realize so. now. I I did notice the music too during the what door moment, and that that will. I don't know what's to come in the next three episodes, but that moment for now was poised to go down as my favorite absolute moment in the entire series. And I, I think I just realized when you said musical cue, why it, it reminds me so much of Memento. Yeah, it's it's that moment when we see Leonard's memory go and we see him renew it. Yeah, and we feel this this 
mix the exact same mix of feelings of of sadness and of excitement like oh god what is this going to mean yeah yeah and and we pity him yep. in that and in, in every one of those instances and who knows how many times this has happened to bernard in the past and he doesn't even know it and and jeffrey Wright's performance in the in the moment when he's saying i have a son he's like i can't be one of them and we're watching him struggle with this with this discovery yeah and it's heartbreaking absolutely he just uh He's not allowed to feel those feelings, mm-hmm. kind of the way that Leonard Shelby can't can't mourn properly if he can't remember. And yeah. it's like we we mourn for him the fact that he is he's not permitted Absolutely. to feel that to feel the the way we do. Absolutely. Well, would recommend. Absolutely, ten out of ten. Yes, would watch again. Yes. Uh, that's about it for this episode. You can find more episodes of our podcast on westworld.fm. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music Podcasts, and more. So uh, let us know if we're not on your favorite podcatcher. We'll get it up on there for sure. Uh, We're also Westworld FM on Twitter, and you can email us westworldfm at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our show and share your thoughts on HBO's Westworld so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Westworld or our podcast. Please go on iTunes. Uh, even if you don't listen on iTunes, go and give us a rating and review uh, because that will help us become more visible and hopefully we'll get more listeners and be a very successful podcast. And that means we can continue with the season two when season two of Westworld hits the, the airwaves. So please help us out there. And then uh, if you want to check out other uh, podcasts on the Midwest Podcast Network, go to MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. And that's it for our episode this week. Uh, Obviously, we're excited for the next episode, and we'll have another episode of our podcast out after that. But until then, may you rest and have a deep and dreamless slumber.